Well, hello, everybody, and welcome to uh, another Snap No Tap podcast. I'm Tony Cicchini, along with Martin Witkowski, and boy, Martin uh, has been gone. I, Martin's going to tell you where he was. It was very interesting. Yeah, Tony, I was telling you, I uh, went to uh, do some hiking in Italy, and coincidentally, my friend who uh, recommended that I try hiking with uh, what they call Ferrata equipment, which is where you clip in and you pull yourself up by ropes or, or you know, things that are already embedded in rock, uh, sent me a story today. Somebody died in Austria <laughs> doing the very same thing, perhaps a more advanced version. I don't know. But they suspect that he forgot to clip himself in. So, you know, the safety equipment all works, but if you don't use it, it doesn't work. That's um, just, but you were in the Dolomites, right? I was in the Dolomites, but Austria, you know, kind of borders Italy in the area, yeah. in the section that I was in. So it's the same type of mountain, same type of climbing. And somebody, some tourist was trying to do Instagram and all this other stuff. And I guess prioritize that over uh, safety. So, well, yeah, safety first. You know, I've seen, I, I've, I've known of people uh, that have done crazy, crazy things, stunts or whatever you want to call it. And um, many times, you know, it, it didn't turn out the way they wanted it to. You know, I don't do any high risk stuff anymore. But, you know, uh, again, going back to uh, your teaching and uh, seminars and instructions, you always remind people to do very little things that are easy to forget. You always remind people to put a mouthpiece in, to, uh, you know, put gloves on, to wrap your hands, all the things that are fairly minimalistic, but could cause like a goofy injury that nobody needs yeah you know and people think yeah and you're right because um especially as you age you know you don't always heal like you you want to uh and you know these things can turn into a major catastrophe or surgery and everything and if you have a job it could affect your job and yeah a little bit safe safe, better safe than sorry and then if bad things do happen uh well at least you tried everything to you know prepare yourself for it you know Right. And we never really had any catastrophic injuries at the gym. So uh, do you want to remind people that there is a, a seminar? Yeah, this Saturday, this is a seminar, workshop, whatever, one thirty to 3.30 at Bender's Martial Arts and Fitness in the Andersonville section of Chicago. If you go to my website um, and, and look under, you know, up on top under uh, upcoming uh, seminars or upcoming workshops, whatever, you'll have the exact address. Or I think we posted here on the youtube clip um because i'm the type of guy that i when i go to some place i don't remember shit to begin with but when you go so many times you never even think of the address you know uh you just you just know it so um but yeah we're going to be uh covering we'll, we'll be there uh uh 1 to 3 30 this saturday evening right and you know i wanted to encourage people to show up because it's basically uh, whatever we decide we want to work on. We usually have fun. It's safe. And we're not going to, we never push beyond the point of uh, people's ability to uh, um, handle it. And, you know, you will definitely be better than you were coming in. Because <laughs> well, Tony's got a world of knowledge to share. Somebody emailed me this week asking about what are you going to cover? Because he was going to come in from out of state, now, you know, Indiana. I'm like, you know, honestly, I don't know. I, I don't go there with a prepared plan 
like you said, you know, it's kind of like, what do you guys need to hear or see? It is actually like a group lesson, right? A private lesson. Um, and, and that's good. Uh, and I like it that way because sometimes when you prepare something, uh, like in the past, you know, leg locks or whatever it is that you're going to be working on, uh, the people, I hate to say this, but some people think, well, I already know all that. Well, you really, nobody does. You know, n- nobody knows everything, right? So, um, but when it's like, well, I don't know what we're going to cover. And then it's it's like dealer's choice. Martin will say, hey, Tony, can you cover some boxing thing or whatever? And somebody else will say this, this, whatever. And it makes it interesting for me because, you know, I never know what to expect either. So I hope we see you guys down there. Um, please come, $75. Uh, and anyway, Martin has some... Uh, technical stuff today for for us to cover on the podcast yeah i think tony and i have uh, talked about this before maybe briefly but in general you know in a sporting aspect uh, your space is dictated by the rules of the game and whether it's an octagon or a ring or you know even a gym mat there is some confines to the space and you know one of the keys is always controlling this space and that means distance now like in a street situation your distance might be infinite or or like zero you know they they talk about fighting in a phone booth which is kind of an anachronism now because there are no phone booths left but i heard people use that term even now like young people so i think it exists as uh you know just a term maybe an impractical one um so i i looked at some clips where people are showing how distance works and i was going to start with a with a clip that we've seen on youtube which is uh, somebody put together kind of like um an instructional on how to use movement to avoid getting punched and uh you know this is um kind of a, a gimmicky thing but it is they're trying to illustrate a point where they're being evasive so here is a little bit of an example and um you know this is a guy that's moving a lot. What, what do you think, Tony? What do you see? How how does this translate into practical skills and maybe skills you see in an actual ring? Yeah. Well, you're right. It's very gimmicky because uh, while, okay, he may not be getting hit by this guy, uh, so he wins on that account. Um, he's backpedaling. He's running away. Uh, in essence. And, you know, the idea of avoiding getting hit is to avoid getting hit where you're still in a position where you can counter, because this would be very impressive if his, if his back was up against the wall or he was like one step away from the wall. Okay. That's where your skills really come into play. Basically here, he's just out of distance. He's just, you know, and the, and the guy throwing punches really doesn't understand that, you know, he's, He's backpedaling, and um, well, again, that that's going to work in this situation. So would turning around and running the hundred meter dash. Uh, but if you notice the guy, uh, the, the the guy backing up, he's he's really not using any angles. Okay, very little. He's just going backwards and backwards and backwards, and eventually you're going to run out of that, or the guy that's throwing punches is going to know. You know, he's actually going to know how to throw a proper punch. But none of these punches, if you notice, he's just, they're all coming up way short. Um, so, yeah, this would be a whole different world doing this against somebody who's skilled. Now, once again, to the, the, the defensive guy's credit, 
you know, he's not going up against, you know, he's not walking into a gym, try, you know, boxing gym trying to pull this off. Um, he's just going up against your average Joe. But remember this, everybody, in a street fight, these guys aren't serious. You know, they're not really coming at them like gangbusters. Uh, that would change everything. Uh, and the key here is to slip or move or whatever term you want, avoid getting hit, but being in a position where you can counter. Okay. And once you start throwing offensive blows, this all changes the whole, uh, the whole game. So, um, yeah, right. I mean, kudos so you, to him. You, you mentioned two things. Um, one of them was that, um, well, uh, these guys, uh, point out rightly so that uh, the guys throwing punches get really winded and quit even before the 45 second time interval is over okay. and that has a lot to do with them really chasing this person like you said it's like a hundred um, meter dash it's tiring and it doesn't really they're not advancing their position uh, wh what do you think about um you know, in this case, the space is unlimited. But in the case of a ring, right, you see people close down the ring so that the person that's on def defense can't really escape it. I, I think they call it walking down uh, uh, a person inside a ring. Well, first and foremost, let's just get back to this guy a minute. Once he starts counterpunching, if he were to, he's now in range to get hit, okay, unless he's six foot seven and the guy's, you know, three feet tall, uh, he's going to be in range to get hit. And again, that changes everything. And that's how it is in fighting, in, a, in a, let's say boxing or MMA, but make boxing where you're limited to just striking. Um, that's where angles and height up and down, you know, altitude comes into play. And, uh, you know, you have to work on those skills. And you have to accept the fact that you might get hit, so when you if you are to get hit, you want it to be number one, a glancing blow. Uh and this, number two, you don't want to be walking into it. You want to be moving away so you're not like colliding like you know, a head-on impact, so to speak. Um and this is where footwork more than anything comes into play. You know, sometimes it's not just even always moving your upper body. It is in, in certain instances, but sometimes it's just your footwork. So, like, this guy was, was using footwork that we just saw, was using footwork to keep backpedaling. Well, that's not, to me, an appropriate use of footwork. It should be circling or semi-circling, getting that angle so you can make some sort of an attack. But for his purpose of this video, I don't think that's what he was looking to do. He was just looking to, you know, run away, in essence, you know, keep backpedaling. So like, it's, it's, a, it's a demonstration, right? Yeah, it's, it's a demo, yeah. Right. Um, so I, I guess your point is that if you backpedal, then you're not really in a position to be countering and you're not going to be running around for two and a half hours in a, any kind of a realistic situation, even like a three minute boxing round. It's not three minutes of running away. Well, and it's also dangerous in, in an area that you don't realize. Now, he's in parking. He's in a parking lot. OK, so that's pretty safe. But there could be other areas where if you try to pull this off, you're backpedaling. You can't see what's going on. You could step into something. You could trip. You could fall down. You could lose your balance. In a boxing ring, you know, you know that everything is, you know, level. Same with an octagon, wrestling mat, this parking lot. Um, so there's, well, give the guy kudos for this. 
you this is this is not the way you want you don't want to emulate this this is not how you want to train you want to train in a limited distance you know um i mean very limited you know no more than a few feet you know a step or two from a from a wall or whatever it is a ropes you know so now you're really learning how to get the, those angles that's my opinion right and uh again to your point about skilled op- opponents, I think uh, you and I before discussed this, but we watched a fight with uh, uh, George Foreman against Bobby Hitts, who is like a Chicago. Yeah, I know uh, Bobby Hitts from years ago, a, a professional boxer, and it, it's amazing. Within one round, uh, George Foreman walks him into a corner. Like Bobby Hitts was clearly trying to be defensive and run away as much as possible. And he never made it out of one round because George Foreman just boxed him in. Well, Bobby told me personally that, you know, he he was surprised how fast Foreman threw punches. You can't really get that impression from watching a video clip. Foreman's big, 22-inch arms or whatever, and it looks slow. And it is probably slow compared to, you know, Sugar Ray Leonard. But, yeah, when you're on the receiving end, yeah, he almost made it through round one, but he didn't quite do it. But, yes. Foreman, you know, there's not a lot of guys in the world that have as much experience as him from the Olympics on up. Yeah, he cut that rope, cut that ring off, and from what I remember, he was he got he got knocked out in the corner, wasn't it? Yeah, that's right. So like he made that ring real small, and uh, it's uh, unrealistic to expect to have unlimited space. In fact, I've seen people fall over a curb trying to back away from a fight or get into well, a Well, that's fight. exactly right. And that's why the, the video clip you just shared with is kind of like, you know, I watch, you know, I watch a little bit of it before. I didn't even see this part of it because I, I, I only watched about 45 seconds. I had to stop because it was not my cup of tea. Um, yeah, it works, but yeah, you know, that's not the way you want to, you don't want to train like that. Um, you want to get like I said, in a semicircle, smaller area. And once you can start slipping punches like a Willie Pep or somebody like that, then then you don't really have anything to worry about. Right. So switching a little bit towards a terrain where uh, space is more limited, you know, we've talked about this before too. It's, um, you know, some kind of a altercation. And this happens to be at Buffalo Wild Wings. And you can see that these guys are, squared off and one of them is closing distance what do you think about that punch well yeah it landed and it was a solid punch but you know let's back it up if you can because let's just just dissect this a second um obviously neither one of these kids are real skilled um the guy coming in was wide open let's hit the play and we'll okay hands down boom and you know the the other guy just you know through a straight left hand. Um, you can't fault him. I mean, he didn't have a lot on it. He does. He's not skilled because, you know, he, he hit a wide open target and didn't follow up or anything. But this could have been completely avoided by keeping your hands up. You know, the, uh, the guy on the left here, if he would have kept his hands up and then didn't walk straight into the punch. You know, if, if he would have, again, approached this guy with some sort of an angle. But look, it's a bums rush, and boom, he's in trouble. And if – I don't know if he's got a Batman shirt on or whatever, the guy with the yellow shirt. If he would have followed up on that, could have been over, but it doesn't look like he wanted to really get into the game too much. Well, actually, the guy one second or two seconds later feels the effect of the punch and drops. I mean, he drops here from the it. first punch. Okay. Oh, good. He was, 
it was a pretty solid punch. And, you know, to your point, this is completely, these guys are squared off with their hands down, which is, yeah. I think what you mentioned is the typical um, kind of a opening stance, right? Like for people that are just going to go at it. Yeah. And again, this guy here, you know, he's backpedaling and stuff. So it doesn't look like he's really, to me, I don't know the guy, but it doesn't look like he's committed to wanting to like hurt this guy, you know, like now let's go on. Play it a little more. Did he stomp on him or something? Uh, No, once the guy goes down, so, you know, this is a well-timed punch and then you can see the guy feels it right here. Yeah. He doesn't know what he's doing. Yeah. He completely dropped. Now he's, he's ready to go back at it. You'll see that he. Oh, he's got a friend. Oh, somebody else jumps in. Okay. <laughs> well, but the, the Batman guy or whatever that shirt is. I think it's Buffalo Wild Wings. Okay. Well, he kind of made it a fair fight. He, he let the, you know, he hit him and, you know, that was the end of it. He didn't, you know, pulverize him, at least at, up to this point of the clip. Um, yeah. You got to give him credit for capitalizing on it. But this guy, the, the guy that got knocked down, um, totally once again you come in with your chin up your hands down face wide open you're asking for trouble just you can't let your emotions get the best of you man you've got to cover up and come in with you know don't come straight in i mean you can walk in a straight line so to speak but you've got to have those angles and shit you know um even if it's head movement uh you know um just always move so the guy can't key up on you, you know, and tee off like like what happened here. You keep your hands up, that's not going to happen. And another thing I should tell people, if you can, try to keep your hands open. couple reasons why. When your fists are clenched really hard, you're tense. Your punches are going to slow down. You have to learn how to close your fist right slightly before impact. So keeping your hands open. And now that also allows you to, you know, uh, cover more area, you know, you, you, defensively. Um, that's really good, you know, and, but keep your, learn to time it, you know, on a heavy bag or whatever. Um, even if you don't have a heavy bag, put up a pad, you know, a seat cushion or something up against the wall and just get used to closing your fist on impact and turning your hand. Yeah, we, we covered this uh, months ago when there was a, a bare knuckle fight with a professional boxer in it, like a fairly accomplished one. And I think I pointed it out that he was actually using a lot of open hands on defense versus keeping them closed, which you would think, you know, he's a boxer, he's going to have his hands closed. He didn't. He was using them to cover more of his face and avoid getting cut, I suppose. Yeah, well, boxers, I mean, you got the gloves, you can't tell, but, you know, the gloves create a bigger uh, surface to, you know, to help you block punches and so on. Um, plus, you're you're wrapped, so, you know, um, this is all fine and dandy, except when you're in Chicago or Cleveland or something and you're fighting in friggin' sub-zero weather outside, man. And you just get hit. You hit your own hand and it hurts. But you got to toughen up. But <clears throat> there's a lot to it. The bottom line is don't be a sitting duck. Don't make the target easy to hit. You know, you want a moving target. You know, you want to be a moving target. And you don't want to give that target, you know, you don't want to have it wide open. You want a very small window, if any. Um, make yourself hard to hit. I think if people would really work on that, um, number one, because look at boxers. It's rare that you'll see a quick one-punch knockout. It happens, but it's super rare. Boxers go for a while. Even guys who aren't super skilled, like we were talking about Bobby Hitz, almost made it through one round. 
you know, um, if that was a street fight, you know, you would think that the fight would end, somebody would break it up or the police would be called or whatever. Um, so, you know, long before the, the three minutes. Uh, so, you know, you, you, you train, I always believe you're not training like to hopefully last against the champ for 12 rounds. You just need to last long enough to, if you're, if you're multi-talented, like you're a grappler, just last long enough so you can get in there with your grappling abilities, your grappling skills, or your kickboxing skills, or just to get out, run away. Right. I, I just wanted to point out that uh, in Chicago, or maybe all over the place, uh, whenever there is a, a fight at Buffalo Wild Wings, it's also a shift change at the police station, so nobody ever shows up. <laughs> well, you know, Buffalo Wild Wings, BW3, that actually started in Cleveland, right? It's a Cleveland place. But uh, I, uh, I, I've I, only been there a couple of times. I, I, I used to go to other places for wings. We'll, we'll just put it that way. You know. Well, you know, it, it, sorry, it's complete aside, but like they're also owned or they own some gambling companies. Like they're heavily scrutinized. It's not just a place to get wings. They own some sort of a gambling angle on things. So, oh, I don't follow it. I don't even think the Cleveland connection is, even exists anymore. Although there was a BW3 on uh, Lincoln, I think, because when I was with Christy, her and I went there to watch either the Browns or the Indians because they were – was yeah, I think it was on Clyborne, but yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah. Yeah, but no, you know, that's, again, the, the guy came in with wide open, throwing wild haymakers, you know, totally untrained. Um, and I get it that, you know, our anger sometimes gets the best of us, you know, um, but people sometimes say things that they shouldn't say. But when you start to fight, you don't really want to fight somebody unless you really know how to fight because you're asking for trouble. Or you can get killed. Look what just happened at the NFL football game over the weekend. That that fight broke out. That guy got hit. He's dead. Now, I just read something before we did our, excuse me, the podcast, that an initial autopsy stated that he may have had some medical condition. They didn't elaborate. But so be it, okay? Medical condition, known or unknown. He got into a fight. It didn't last all that long. And sadly, he's dead. Okay, um, this is why I always tell everybody, and you've heard me say it a million times since you've known me, and of course on my podcasts, you have to assume somebody's going to die in a street fight, either you or the opponent. You have to go under that assumption. It's life or death. Oh, yeah, a pre-existing medical condition does not get you off the hook legally. Like, they, they'll look at it from a legal perspective, like, would this guy have died if he never encountered you? And clearly the answer is no, if punches were involved. So, yeah, I mean, but even, yeah, but without the legal aspect of it, you don't want to be killed, you know. Uh, yeah, so you just don't want to get into a street fight. And if you do, you, you really have to know what, what you're doing. Um, so, go ahead. Yeah, so, you know, that, that fight, uh, as, you know, bizarre and uh, raw it was, I kind of like the timing on that punch because as the guy took up the space, the other guy connected right away with a straight hand and really screwed the guy up. Like, you know, taking space without proper protections is, is a dangerous uh, proposition. Yeah, well, you hit the word timing and space, you know, and um, you have to be in the right position to 
time it right. Okay. And it just so happened that, yeah, the, the guy that got knocked down was, was charging, moved into position. The uh, offensive guy that got it through the punch was really backpedaling in a way, but they were still in range and he clobbered him and, 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 and hit him solid enough that, you know, knocked him down. Yeah. So, um, Volting from that, this also is kind of a uh, segue to what you see in a professional ring. I mean, these are two talented guys um, that this fight happened a few months ago. However, what I liked about this is that the guy who here gets a knockdown was able to utilize the same technique over and over again in the same fight. And I think the commentators called it a check hook. So it's a check before, hook. Yeah, exactly. Okay. And that was a glance. Yeah, but the guy was, uh, he's, I think, a southpaw, right? So it, it kind of looks different than it would if it was a classic uh, orthodox person. Yeah, well, orthodox, you're going to you're gonna land with your left hand. Um, but regardless, it's your lead, lead, lead hand that throws the hook. Now, okay, keep playing it. We'll get to the point where it, where it happens. Okay, so boom. Now, he... Uh, times it it's all generally it's an overhand you know you go over the punch um and he did it going straight back you can do it pivoting you know which is even better um because you're and sometimes you can move back so he's he just okay so boom he he clipped him there good that's the check hook okay and then uh but at times he could the offensive guy could have pivoted like a 45 degree angle all right there's several ways of doing this they're stepping back not hopping back so much but you step back on your rear foot so you can generate some power which he did see boom you see you see how he stepped back on his rear foot and he and he didn't hop he stepped so we can get that transfer of power this is really important forget about the hand forget about the punch it's the footwork here that does it now watch boom and and not, not there it's coming up now watch Let's wait for it. Boom, he's planted, and he was able to shift, and that's why there was some power behind that hook. Okay, so more than the punch, it was that footwork. It was that step back. Um, But again, as I mentioned, you can also do this pivoting. This is not an easy thing to do because it's timing specifically, and you have to be in position to time it. So like that very first clip you showed us today about the guy, the backpedaling guy, he never would have been able to pull this off most of the time, okay, because he might have gone too far back. But this gentleman, this fighter here, didn't go far, didn't go that far that he was out of range um, to counter. This was, this, was, this was beautiful. This was absolutely beautiful. Right. So from the perspective of the guy pressing the action, the guy that gets dropped, uh, what are some of the things that he needs to really be more aware of in order to avoid doing this? I mean, if I if I scroll this back a little bit. Yeah, let's right, do that. It, it, it really looks to me like he's again, we, we've covered this last week, but he's kind of reaching with his punch here. He got lucky because he managed to pull back, but he doesn't get lucky twice. The second time when he lunges again. He gets clipped. Right. It was just a terrible. I'm going to say it terrible because what he did was what the BW, you know, Wild Wings guy did. We'll play it again. But before we rewind it, let me explain. 
he you're right he was so far out of range he threw that left hand pawing probably not even trying to land it but then he just he brings it back down by his hip and he walks in with his leading with his face please play that again right here okay, this is the this first is the one, one he gets away with yeah it's right the same now, mistake. yeah now he's going to just he's way far out that's nothing and boom his hands way low okay you can never ever do that and this is good that you see this because even professional fighters make these mistakes and the uh the guy with the white trunks uh i guess that's martin um he capitalized on it okay and i think it would be interesting to ask him but that first bullshit punch he probably martin probably realized okay this guy isn't with it right now he's throwing these stupid punches from way out far away if he does it again i'm going to clobber him and that's exactly what happened and he and he did that um they're going to call it a check cook probably but it just could also just be you know an overhand an overhand right in this instance but an overhand hook so um but yeah it's call it a check cook it, it was well executed yeah, so from what I remember, the commentators did call it a check hook, but they also mentioned the fact that this guy's reversed because yeah. the stance is... Uh, right. Uh, so, uh, this is also like an example of uh, this guy Lopez being the the heavy favorite. I think he was trying to press the action and, and you know, get this guy out of here. And and what I liked about this fight, this this uh, Sander Martin guy was very disciplined and he, he played this kind of game all night long. He lost the decision, but, you know, that... It could be political, but he he was just composed enough to produce this kind of uh, counter for a lot of these overreaching and over um, overly eager attempts to press action. Yeah, and you know, pressing action is a positive, uh, but it's not a positive when you're leading with your face. Okay, you just can't do that. And if you're not in condition, you don't want to lead with your liver. You know, your your midsection either. If you're not in condition. Um, cause you know, they'll, they'll do body shots. Um, and you know, and that could crumble you too. So it, it is the old axiom in boxing, protect yourself at all times. And, um, Lopez here just, just did not protect himself. You can't, nobody, not you, not me, not anybody, unless you're George Chavallo, who never got knocked down. You don't want to expose your face in front of a guy. And he was leaning in, um, which makes it even more dangerous. Um, I, I think wild punch. It was a wild punch. Yeah, right. And I think the 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 sport kind of cultivates this attitude as well because you know they have to play to the judges, they have to play to the uh, referee, they have to look like they're pressing the action at a cost of perhaps an unrealistic risk. Like you know, th- this could have ended the fight, really if he wasn't tougher and stronger than this punch happened to be. Yeah. You know, and it was the second round. So conditioning didn't play a factor here. It was just bad, bad fundamentals there of, of that's why you, you throw and come back, throw and come back, throw and come back, straight line, come back. But when you, when you start doing these looper looping punches, or you saw even, even in the beginning, he had his left hand down. He was safe because he was out of range. I don't know the guy. So I don't know if that's how he likes to fight. But it is a nasty habit. You heard me bitch about this so many times. I don't like guys that do that unless you're baiting him, you know, setting him up to, 
you know, like you could, you can lower your left hand. If let's say you're an orthodox, lower your left hand to get that guy to throw that right hand. And then you, you, you uh, check hook him, you know, you got, you, you come with a counter hook. Um, but you're doing that intentionally uh, as part of your strategy, but there's a lot of boxers, fighters, MMA, whatever. They like to keep their hands down. It's just a terrible habit. I want you to keep your hands up. You know, I always talk about that. Right. Yeah. Uh, one other thing that you um, often talk about, or you started to talk about, um, is that when you're throwing punches, right, they can't be, and I don't have a clip to illustrate this, maybe for next time I'll find something, but you mentioned that you can't just rely on a on ones and twos to be able to force a mistake out of your opponent. Like you mentioned that, yeah, you know, in order to really get committed and get results, you might have to throw in like a four punch combo. Yeah. But as long as you're not number one, standing in front of the guy. Okay. Cause four punches takes a little bit of time and you can get countered. And number two, try to mix it up. So like, you know, don't throw like one, two, three, four to, to, to his nose because his hands are probably still there to block it. You have to follow. You have to figure out where where the opening is. Okay, so you may you may throw one and now he blocked, but now when he blocks or parries or whatever, it may create another opening. So you boom, 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 change it up a little bit and move. Don't just necessarily stand in front of him. Get that head moving. Get that angle. So you're always you know, looking like a radar, you know, you're or like a laser beam. You're trying to find that opening where he's not going to be able to, you know, um, defend it. So, you know, that's just my take on it. it it's just, it's not that hard. It's just, you got to work at it. You got to work at it in the gym. got to work at it slowly. And then all of a sudden it becomes, it becomes a habit. Look at it like a shelf. You're going to get something off of this shelf, top shelf, middle shelf, bottom shelf. Middle shelf, bottom shelf, top shelf. You're going to change the uh, the way you grab things. Well, that's how you should punch. You know, change, change it. Boom, boom, boom. It, it's not that hard to do, right? But you did a, a interesting drill uh, last time, and uh, I'll try to explain it because I don't think we have it on video. But you timed. You said that there is a, I think, you said two seconds or some amount of time that you can stand in front, and then you got to get out. And then you know when we tried it it's amazing how much slower we are than that amount of time, right? Like you basically bum, bum, bum and get out. And that amount of time has to be some number, which is, you know, probably derived from what human reactions can do. And, and then it's eye-opening at how slow we are or how much slower we are than we think we are. Yeah, right. I mean, it, it's all, I mean, listen, th- th- there's times when, yeah, you can stay in front of the guy because you got him on the ropes or whatever, not literally even, but you know, he's on Queer Street. But generally, these are bad habits because, especially when it's an all in fight where a guy can tackle you or something, you know, shoot in on you. So I've, I've known guys who talk about nine, 10 punch combinations. And that's not smart. You know, you're, you can't stand in front of a guy that long. Um, make it brief. Uh, again, unless, you know, you've clobbered them and now you, you follow up. But once again, even when you follow up, don't stand in front of them. You still have, I mean, you're in front of them to a degree, but you know what I mean? Don't be a, a target, get that angle where, you, you know, uh, your, your opponent's in front of you, but you're not in front of your opponent. He can't counter you solidly. That's what it's all about. Um, and that's why I don't like this in and out movement, this in and out footwork movement. It's a bad habit because it's a natural instinct. 
okay? But yet it's it's not good. And I always bring up a bullfighter. Watch these bullfighters. They don't always go straight back, okay, because that bull will get them. So they get their, they pivot, they get their angles and, you know, all of that shit. You've got to start fighting like that. You know, you really do. Just don't let, you know, get out of that habit of going straight back all the time. And a coach, maybe if coaches are watching or listening, do that as a drill. Don't let your 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 student backpedal more than like one step, you know, or two steps, or maybe start off with three steps. And when they get comfortable moving off of three, then make it moving off of two, then make it move it, make it moving off of one, and then make it just pivoting where they're not even taking a step. They're just standing there and pivoting and trying to get out, pivoting and ducking under and, you know, and weaving and shit. Right. And uh, this goes also back for pacing. I mean, for the opposite direction, like we, we saw in the earlier clip, the guys that were chasing that target at the very far end of the range were really ineffective and getting tired very quickly because of how much energy they were wasting on just trying to walk down a, a person that was just expon exponentially getting farther and farther away from them. Yeah, you know, throwing punches takes energy. The guy that was defensive wasn't throwing anything. So, um, you know, it's... Especially uh, when you miss, right? I mean, there's like nothing oh, yeah. there to stop it. There's nothing there to stop it. But, again, I get what the guy was trying to do. Throw punches, hit me in the face, you know. Uh, he'll If he does it with the wrong guy, he's, he's going to regret it. Um, believe me, it, it, this is... I don't know why he's doing it. I don't know if these are setups. Um, but it's, it's really not worth the risk. Uh, cause especially when you're doing it on pavement, cause if you do get hit like this kid at the BW threes got hit, you know, if this guy would get clobbered like that, hit hard and fall and hit his head on concrete, he may never live to make another YouTube video. So, you know, take that for what it's worth. I, it's, it's risky. Right. Yeah. Well, we, we've seen that uh, there's been cases in Chicago, I think, Daly's cousin or somebody it's hit somebody. And, yeah, right. The guy fell on cement and now he's dead. Um, so, yeah, no, it, it's 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 it's. I give him credit for you know having some skill to do that, you know. But let's not, you know. And again, that works in that scenario where, where you have unlimited range, you know. But when that normally you 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 don't normally have that. Um, but for for let's say more MMA style guys. Really work on your footwork, keep your hands up, keep your chin down so you can get in there if you have to and clinch um, and and realize that you may be going up. It's just hard because when you go up against a guy who's really skilled with striking, um, and it doesn't necessarily even have to be a boxer. It could be a, a kickboxer, a, a, a tie boxer, uh, or, or, or just a good karate man like different styles like Kyoko Shinkai or something, you know, um, you, you don't want to take it for granted that you're just going to walk through his punches. Okay. In an MMA match, everybody knows that there's a good chance that we're going to grapple here. Right. But um, when it comes to a street fight, people may not think that way. Okay. Um, so you don't know what, what's in store. So keep your hands up, be very defensive as you're looking for your, your chance to uh, do your offensive move. Don't get knocked out like that kid at, you know, Buffalo Wild Wings. You know, don't come in there, you know, hastily. 
the cops aren't coming. Now they're on shift change, so yeah, the cops aren't coming. And and then you know what? It's you don't want the ambulance to come either, especially. Uh, you know, this is this is good to discuss this and to have these video clips because even when things are done right, there's always room for improvement. Let me hark back to jazz. Um, I've listened to many world-class jazz musicians that have played improvised stuff that is just phenomenal. And I've talked to some of these guys and they're like, yeah, you know, I could have, you know, I should have done this or I could have done that. I could have done better. You know, uh, I could have done something different that would have even been more creative. Listen to this. And I'm like, wow, that's even better than what you did do. So there's always, there's always right ways for improvement. Okay. So when you're being, there's a difference between being critiquing or critical and then being like, you know, just straight out hater. Uh, what what the first clip did, the, the, the parking lot guy worked well, you know, for that scenario. Um, and with the boxers, you know, um, it, it's just Lopez made a mistake, man. He led with his face, you know, it, it but you got to give Martin credit for capitalizing on it. That check hook is difficult because you have to have timing. Um, and as you get older, like our age or my age, especially, your timing goes, your reflexes go. You have to have that reflex to be able to pull that off. Uh, and you have to be in the position to do it. But I wish people would watch that clip over and over how Martin shifted back and he was planted. He had that power to generate that hook. Even though it was a glance, you know, it wasn't flush per se. It right. it had power. It it knocked him down. Right. It was also at a at a critical spot. They always say that these like blows to the temple are very disorienting. You can get a knockdown from you know something that's not fully landed, but in that area tends to be disorienting and uh, yeah. Well, in a street, yes. Now, in a street scenario, you do have to be cautious about hitting the skull because you don't want to break your hand. You know, normally your your first train of thought is soft tissue, going for the throat, going for the face. Uh, I'm not sure, you know, we don't know where he was aiming. Um, uh, I I don't recall now, but I think Lopez kind of went, you know, dropped down a little bit. I I thought maybe he was initially going for the button, hitting on the jawline, and Martin, not Martin, but Lopez may have, bobbed down i don't remember but um either way it's a great punch to learn but first of all before you even do check hooks you got to learn to hook you know hey, that ain't easy yeah right no that's a hard punch it's a difficult punch to learn um it looks easy and i see a lot of people throw hooks that are arm punches and arm punches will work against you know a pansy ass but uh somebody who doesn't have a glass jaw is going to walk right through those any arm punch so you have to stop with your arm punches, start sitting down on your punches in a way, um, you know, and that doesn't mean that you give up motion uh, per se, but you do have to get some power generated. And, you know, heavy bag will 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 help you. Just learn the difference between punching and pushing, too. You don't want to push. That's the negative about a heavy bag. Sometimes guys will see this bag swinging like a pendulum. They think they're hitting hard. You're not. You're really, You're pushing. I mean, not always, but, you know, you got to look for that. Don't push. Right. Okay, Tony, uh, anything else? Or should we wrap it up, short and sweet? And Yeah, we'll make them short. Yeah, well, you know, we're filming this late. And for me, this is like way past my bedtime. I know you, you're you just getting ready to go to the Polish discotheque. 
Um, well, I don't want to, you know, I don't want you to fall asleep. No, no, no. But everybody, if you can make it Saturday, if not, we normally try to hold it the third Saturday of the month. Next month, I'll talk to you about this, Martin. Aaron wants to come next month, either the third or the fourth Saturday. It's up to you and Joe. Uh, so you guys can get you and Joe. I already told Joe, so you and Joe work it out. We'll get back to Aaron. But everybody, I appreciate you uh, watching and uh, and or listening and uh until that time, we'll we'll see you once again. Right. Thanks for the idea, Tony.